Hello everyone, my name is Ravi Kumar. Uh, I'm a president at Infosys. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a very interesting series coming up. It's called the Trailblazers. These are leaders in the industry, the academia, the government, and the communities where we live in, who are actually making a huge impact to the societies we live in. One of the things I'm so excited about is what we do with our academia. So today I have a speaker, the president of uh, the Trinity College, Juan, who's a good friend of mine. And uh, I'm so honored to have her on this talk series. She's a very eloquent speaker and a huge evangelist of liberal arts. So Juan, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, thank um, you for inviting me. I'm at your home, home city, Hartford. Absolutely. Uh, since the last time we met, um, we've had huge progress mm -hmm. uh, in the Hartford Hub. Right. You came in to the launch. Uh, we, we've hired 300 plus since we made the announcement. Mm -hmm. uh, 100 plus work in the Hub. We have uh, one batch of training happening in the Hub. We have one right. batch happening in the Trinity College. Right The now. first liberal arts batch. Right. Uh, liberal arts is one of our biggest pets in the digital space. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are making this a national experiment with Trinity College. Exactly. So very, very excited about it. Uh, I heard the first batch is up and running. Uh, very, Correct. They're very, very excited about the future. Right. You know, I was actually doing a conversation with, um, uh, with one of the digital economy experts last, last evening. And we worked on, we, we spoke about this very interesting uh, evolution which is happening for talent. Mm -hmm. Workspaces are moving from a model where you just had private human capacity to a model where you're going to go from a private human capacity to humans plus the gig economy. So there's a huge virtual pool of talent available which you could access. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be machines about it. Exactly. So you're going to move from humans to humans plus machines plus the gig economy. Mm -hmm. Now, what's going to happen as this progresses, and this looks real, and I'm seeing this in our programs as well, which we do with our customers, the machines are going to give the data and insights. Mm -hmm. The gig economy is going to give the scale and agility needed in the digital world. Mm -hmm and the humans are going to be doing the creative around it. Mm -hmm. uh, so the creative human power is going to be amplified by machines and the gig economy. Mm -hmm. And in this context, liberal arts is going to play a very big role. Exactly. As this transition happens on what humans would do in workspace. Right. I kind of wanted, wanted you to mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the first thing is I believe, you know, I'm a neuroscientist by training. So I do study artificial intelligence, what's going to happen with AI. And what's clear to me is there always has to be a human in the loop to make it work. That as much data as you have, you're still going to have to interpret it. You're going to have to analyze it. And that is a piece that humans will always be a part of. If you step back and think about the skill set that people are going to need in the new economy, I think you have to have data analytical skills. You have to be able 
to learn how to learn because you're going to have to retrain yourselves all the time. You're absolutely going to have to need some kinds of data skills. And the fourth skill that some people forget is how to interact with others. Because in all of the economies that you spoke about, you still are going to have to bridge, connect with other people, connect with other kinds of divisions. And that's going to take the people skills. Of all of those skills that we spoke about, my guess is that the data skills may be the fastest to acquire. Analytical skills take a number of years to acquire. You are connecting things that are disparate that people aren't used to connecting before. All of those skill sets are going to take a bit of time, and I think the data analysis piece is the part that we can teach probably a little bit more rapidly. I think that many digital companies have been focusing on the data stream as if that's the most important of the qualities and skill sets that I just described. When you talk about liberal arts, we are focusing on all of those other three streams and some of our individuals are also coming out with the data skills. So the piece that we want to add is, based on all those three skill sets that I think are important, we're adding that digital bridge. And that's what you're helping us do. Because we think we have the analytical skills, the ability to learn, the socialization piece. And you know, problem finding is going to be a much bigger virtue Absolutely. than problem solving. And if you just go back to these three things I spoke about, humans, gig, and machines, mm -hmm. more and more the machines are going to take over problem solving, and problem finding right. will be uh, left for humans. Exactly. So what is it that you teach in liberal arts, and mm -hmm. how do these two streams of STEM on liberal mm -hmm. arts and non-STEM on liberal arts kind of you know, differ? Right. So I think the core of the liberal arts experience is a broad variety of subjects, as well as depth in one or two subjects. So sometimes we refer to it as a T, breadth across, and depth you know, within a particular subject. So the particular part of the liberal arts education is that you're learning many different subjects, many different areas, and you're starting to connect things that have never been connected before. What you're learning in a, a course about the Civil War in the United States, and what you're learning in a philosophy course. And in the liberal arts, you start to connect pieces of those, and you start to think about the morality of war, all kinds of subjects that are broadly based. And it's because you've taken a combination of courses in the humanities and English and philosophy, the social sciences, economics, or um, you know, political science, and also some courses that you take in the sciences like physics, chemistry, so and biology. So you have to take a broad set of courses and what you're allowing your mind to do a bit is go between and among subjects and 
form connections that other people haven't formed before. So that when you come to a new setting and you see a new question that no one has asked before, you actually have developed a bit of a skill set of connecting things that people haven't connected before. As I say, I think and that's, that... And that's kind of the foundation of problem finding. Exactly, exactly. And, and the analytical skills that you're learning. You aren't becoming in a single course a political scientist or a philosopher or a biologist, but you're learning how they approach problems such that when you're faced with a new question, you can step back and think, how might different people in different fields approach the question? And what you find is very often the question that someone has asked is not the question you really need to solve. There's something deeper underneath that is really the cause of the effect that you're seeing. So even though someone has asked you a question, you realize that to solve the problem, you need to actually answer other questions. And I think those habits of mind are what we develop in the liberal arts. One of the workforce trends, I believe, which is gonna happen in the digital world, mm -hmm. is the world is gonna move from a disciplinary approach to studies mm -hmm. to almost anti-disciplinary. Hmm. You know, I call it anti-disciplinary <laughs> because we have heard cross-functional and cross-disciplinary right. work. I almost think the world is going to go into an anti-disciplinary uh, way of looking, at, uh, looking mm -hmm. at higher studies. And liberal arts just fits in so well there. Exactly. And that's why we are betting very big. And we do think a large pool of our talent is actually going to come from liberal arts. Uh, for, for the digital talent needed for the future. Exactly, because as we're saying, we can teach some of those data analytic skills once you have those broader analytic skills already developed and some of those social skills. The other thing that I think is particularly important about what we do in the liberal arts is we focus both on what's happening in the classroom but also outside of the classroom. So some of what is happening is a person decides, I would like to start a new club. No one in our institution has ever had a club about India. You know, I'm just taking a, a random example. And it's, the, it's creating what you wanna do, taking a leadership role, trying to figure out how you form a club, what do you need, who are the stakeholders. All of that learning is happening outside of the classroom. So if you combine incredible skill sets that you're do developing inside the classroom with some of these leadership and even athletic skills that you're learning outside of the classroom, you realize a bit what's particularly special about the liberal arts. An additional element is you're learning in a liberal arts education how to be an engaged citizen in the world. And do you make a distinction between the STEM education and liberal arts you have and the non-STEM education? Are they kind of very similar? The curriculum I think, and the... I think there are a lot of similarities. Um, and remember how I described, you know, liberal arts being a bit of a T, breadth, with depth. 
And the depth comes from? And the depth, so the depth of the scientist or the mathematician is a little different from the depth that the person in an English major or a political science major has. But that breadth is what's in common. And in some ways, you might think of it as the breadth that holds all of those depths together. In fact, in fact we, we've created a we have created multiple streams in conjunction with exactly. Trinity on data sciences, on industry vertical domains, on design. Mm -hmm. And we do believe that the T which you spoke about is, is something which we are very fascinated about. At right. some point of time, I think it will become a Z. <laughs> um, now I like that. I'll, I'll think about it. Uh, at some point of time, because is, it's going to become so anti-disciplinary. Exactly. exactly. But one other thing that I want to, to share with you. I. I I said, I'm a scientist. I'm a neuroscientist. And I, I know that you have right? a patent, actually, right? <laughs> I, have a, have I do. I, I have a patent for what used to be um, the second largest Alzheimer's drug in the world. That's fascinating. So I've been you know, very lucky in my career. But as a scientist, I love experiments. And what I appreciate so much about emphasis and what you want to do is the experiment to prove if what we're saying makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we can all say that the liberal arts is a great training field for digital technology, for the careers of the future, but you're willing to actually do the experiment to prove that it's true. And that's what's so, I think, unique about our partnership. Absolutely. We're willing to actually say, this is something we think is going to happen, there's a lot of literature and a lot of talk and narrative about it, but we're actually going to do the experiment to prove it. Absolutely, Joanne. In fact, the first batch is going to be a huge learning ground for us, for the partnership. Uh, we know that we're going to do batches almost every month for the next foreseeable future. And this is a national experiment. We are, we are hiring across the United States, getting them to Hartford and Trinity College. And we do believe this can actually redefine what liberal arts means for the digital age. You know, the world is also moving in the digital age from a straight line of higher studies to professional work to a continuum mm -hmm. where lifelong exactly. learning and continuous reskilling is almost a virtue in the digital age. Absolutely. And uh, as we transition into that, mm -hmm. uh, being a learner, and learning, learning to be learned mm -hmm. um, is almost going to become a real virtue for us to stay relevant in the digital age. Right. And I kind of think liberal arts is very foundational to that. Mm -hmm. You almost make people, you almost create a learnability index, as I call it. I, yeah. I, I don't know whether it's there in the dictionary, right. but right. the learnability index is what we want to look for when we're right. hiring from uh, from the market, especially school grads we are hiring for. Exactly. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how to be a learner for life or right. a lifelong learning, which to me is the most important virtue huh. in this transition? You are absolutely right. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about how you learn to learn, because we all understand how critical that is in the progress over a lifetime. And that if you look, for example, at online learning, it's most successful when people already know how to learn. So that's why online learning is often so successful 
with people who already have a college degree because they've learned how to learn. And what they're doing is developing a new skill set because they understand how to learn. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I think is critical in learning how to learn. I think it's really important to do a wide variety of subjects, to see what you do well, what you don't do well. And I think it's particularly important to reflect on how you learn. So when you go to a liberal arts college for four years, you're taking many different subjects. Some of them you're going to be better at than others. And in this process of taking different subjects in different fields, you're learning a little bit about yourself and how you learn. And you're reflecting on how you carry that skill set into a different arena, you know, a different class, let's say, for example. And I think that that process of taking, once again, different courses in different subject areas, you're learning different things about your own personal learning style and you're reflecting on them so that by the time you get to the end of the four-year process, let's say for example, you understand so much better how you learn, what's necessary. Do I learn better by seeing visuals? Do I learn better by having a conversation with you? And you're doing this with a group of peers and other people who are pushing you and pressing you because that's really when you determine the limits of your own learning. When other people are pushing you, asking you questions, really making you think and reflect. So that process comes with time. That's not something you learn in a single class in a couple of weeks. Whereas you can think some of the digital skills that you want to offer people, you probably can learn in a couple of weeks. But these other kinds of analytical skills, learning how to learn, it takes some time to develop. So I'm going to say time is a factor. But I'm also going to speak as a neuroscientist a little bit about a concept that I call critical periods. And that is your brain is primed to learn certain kinds of things at certain different stages. You probably have heard people say, if you learn to speak a language between the age of zero to five, you'll probably speak it like a native. Whereas as you get older, the critical period has moved on, and you're still able to learn a language, but not with the same kind of fluidity. So, does the, so just teeing up on the topic, yeah. does it make sense for the digital age, which we all want to be in, to create the, the culture of lifelong learning early in K-12 schools? I think K through 12 is important for certain developmental skills. We all know that as a basic foundation. But they're also a group of higher level analytical skills that are probably most important to learn in an area, I would say in an age between 
16 and 25. So there's certain things that are important to learn in the K through 12 age, but when you talk about higher level, sophisticated analytical training where you're connecting disparate things, some of that needs to come when you're a little bit older and you have different kinds of basic skills. And that's why I think so many people go to college in this time period between about 16 and 25, because that is a prime time when your brain is developing these very sophisticated analytical skills. Once again, it doesn't mean you can't learn them outside of that range, but your brain is primed, primed in those late teenage years and early 20 years for this type of training. So we should take advantage of that. And when you get that basic skill set, you can kind of retrain and retrain and retrain at different periods in your life. So I think it's a combination, as you're saying, of some basic fundamental <clears throat> skills, but I do think there's a critical window, that time period, from about, as I said, 15, 25, 16 to 25, in which those higher level analytical skills your, your brain is primed to make those kinds of neural connections. That's, and I think that's an important time period too. It's probably relatively easier to be a lifelong learner. I want to know if you have a course on learning to unlearn. You must, because as a neuroscientist, what we discovered is the unlearning is essential for learning because you can't keep it all there. There's some things you have to decide are less important, less of a priority, and actually unlearn them. So you, you're, you're being a brilliant neuroscientist here, <laughs> that what we discovered is that unlearning is every bit as important as learning. And it's that ability to go back and forth between learning and unlearning learning. that's critical. Yeah. And once again, your brain is very much primed to do those kinds of things in this time period that I spoke to you about. And once you, learn, once you develop the patterns of being able to do it, it's something that you will be able to retain and use your entire lifetime. Thank you, Joan. That was very, very insightful. I actually mm -hmm. learned personally a lot in this conversation. Every interaction I do with you, I always go back, um, go back, uh, <laughs> feeling, uh, oh, introspecting yeah. about uh, what yeah. uh, there is so much we can do to build talent pools of the future, right. uh, capabilities of the future, and I think uh, we have we have some exciting times on the partnership now. Exactly. Uh, very excited about the first batch, the learnings of the first batch, and. Mm -hmm. uh, what we can do in the future to iterate this and exactly. make this uh, probably a national experiment for liberal exactly. arts. Exactly. Thank you again and thanks Thank for you. spending time with us. Oh, Thank absolutely. You. It's Thank always you so a much. pleasure. Mm -hmm.